work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to a post... Wait, okay. It is a post-Sunday. <laughs> the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem where Emily can't find words and Jim has plenty of them. Off to a great start. Here we go. Yeah. Um... I'm Emily, like I said. I'm sitting in front of Jim, my husband, and this is the moment of the week when I get to sit down in front of him and grill him about his past Sunday sermon. It's like a date night, only with all of you. (laughs) And in the daytime, and in your (laughs) office, and with your hair uh, looking like the the podcaster. (laughs) Authenticity, it's what what we strive for here at TPSB. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a mental stretch for both of us to like sit down. I thought I know you had tech issues. Tech issues are your mm, favorite kind of issues. Absolutely, they're delicious. <laughs> my brain has been involved in my own work, so I'm gonna have to switch gears. Also, um, but I think we can do it. We've got this. Yeah, cool. Um, let's get started. Let's go straight into whatever their first whatever our first topic is call it stormy monday it stormy yeah monday. um where we've been think we let's think about the week what has been going on in your week our week um as we as you approached preparing this sermon for this sunday another week has transpired and not a bad week last week continuing to feel the weight for uh, you <laughs> <laughs> or, or as a, not a bad week last do, week do you mean like for you like Ukraine yeah (laughs) that's true I I, I shouldn't crow too much about what's going on in the world right now and we did offer prayers for Ukraine this past Sunday at Liberty Church Collingswood thinking through um continuing to try to be part of a leadership team that's leading our church through a crazy season and speaking of seasons, we are shifting towards Lent this coming week. So we have our Ash Wednesday service tomorrow. And we're switching from the Genesis Sermon series to Practices of Present. So I was kind of thinking to myself this past week, I want to finish this section of the Genesis Sermon series strong. And I'm looking forward to, I always like a little variety. So it'll be fun going from some heavy issues and a lot of Genesis commentaries to something different with practices of presence and various scripture passages for the next stretch of time. But I wanted to do right by Genesis chapter six, verses one to eight going into this past Sunday. Sure. So closing up, what is a close up of a, I mean, it's like part one of your series, right? You're coming back to Genesis, I think. Yeah. Well, this is, this would have been part two because we also had, had it in <laughs> the fall. Yeah, right. And Em, I think you remember Advent where we did I don't remember all these. We, yeah. For, for that. So, so this has been Genesis part yeah, already. And then it'll be part three, part three after Lent. And actually this was going to be the first installment after Lent, but there were some textual mishaps and so this ended up this is the introduction to the flood ideally it would not have been the last one of going into Lent but these things are out of my control are are they though? they're not not out of my control so wanting to finish Genesis strong and 
the song remains the same for for this ministry you're continuing to think pray converse about how to grow resilient disciples in of jesus in a period of time where people are fragile so so wanting to wanting to think about my preaching ministry at liberty collingswood as a way to to build people up and then also for those that are exploring christianity wanting to introduce them to a jesus and to a set of scriptures that that seem sturdy sufficiently where you can really give your give your life over to it hmm. that's yeah, be that's... in it for the long haul to the end of the line as captain america tells bucky or as boys to men sang to halle berry wait what <laughs> back in the day I end of the road the second one but that's okay, okay. um yeah i, I was think in boys to men no. i was one of the original <laughs> members back when they lived in Chile the first and time i was your i was your groupie photographer <laughs> that's how we met absolutely um I think that it's a good word to, to have. And actually, you know, for me, I do feel like there's a seismic shift. And it's probably because I've been reading too much New York Times. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the images from Ukraine that are most striking to me, I guess, is that they feel like they feel very because they're so European and not I think we're used to seeing Middle Eastern conflict mm-hmm. right now or um, conflict in Africa conflict in like other okay. like this time when I see the images it felt more like seeing images of now and then it it actually does also seem really unifying in terms of the perspectives I'm hearing from the ground from people I know like all the yeah. talk that we've had about political divide like suddenly I think we're mostly you know i'm afraid to even say that like but i think we're united as americans um against the concept of a country of an aggressor nation yeah yeah so that's an interesting um i haven't given it enough chewing time yet but yeah there is heaviness related to those things and pulling back the, the the pastor curtain there's the what i'm myself feeling and processing about those things but then also for example eric and i had a conversation this past week about what do we do in terms of church programming in relation to to ukraine Mm -hmm. everything from not mentioning it doing nothing to throwing the switch on stopping all regular programming and devoting a ton of time Mm -hmm. yeah prayer meetings zoom spaces for processing to to yeah give people space i don't know what the answers are to those things we landed somewhere in the middle but It is. It's out there right now. Yeah, it's something to think about. Um, the more trivial piece that I mentioned to you last night was that um, somebody there's a post going viral on Twitter where some random person like highlights the fact that Ukraine, the government mm-hmm. of Ukraine, oh. on Twitter, like the twi- official Twitter, po- like it just says Ukraine, and then the Ukrainian <coughs> version of Ukraine. Yeah, uh, not my Ukraine. They have, like, they follow, like, 200-some people, objects, things. One of the things they follow is New Jersey, (laughs) the state (laughs) of New Jersey. Um, No other state. I'm not even sure they follow the United States. They don't follow Barack Obama or Trump. Right. Um, They they follow New Jersey. So, like, the viral Twitter post was some random person saying, why does Ukraine follow New Jersey? (laughs) It's our sister state to the east. Yeah, New Jersey retweeted it, and um, 
and a bunch of people actually like they were they were saying like New Jersey is the state with the third highest population of Ukrainians. Yeah. Um, and the other reason like that Ukraine actually tweeted back to this person and said um, a misspelling of because like in European misspelling, not the like typical American B C U U Z, but anyways, because it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe because they're cool. I don't remember. Yeah, I, but, I don't think there's a European spelling of because. Well, I just mean it was a misspelling of because, but not in I a typical American misspelling. It wasn't of American slang. Yeah, it was, was like a it was a very European like misspelling. <laughs> because Euro slang. <laughs> but because we're cool, that's why they follow New Jersey. Love it. That is true. And so to bounce one more time, I'm from. Uh, and I, I didn't know until you told me that New Jersey actually has a pretty funny. I love New Jersey's Twitter, Twitter handle. <laughs> Twitter <account>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I, I've wondered for years where our property tax money is going, and now we have the answer. The it's on the more Pat serious McAdams. note again <laughs> is so I had lunch last week. I do a monthly coaching call and check in with Evan Curry, the lead pastor at Liberty Church Northeast, and there they planted a couple of years ago. They rent from a church building or they rent f space for a church where also renting from that same church facility is a longtime church plant in philly ministering to people ethnic russians of, uh. of, of various stripes mm -hmm. and at this particular congregation in philly there are both russians and ukrainians wow and, wow yeah and there there are some pretty pretty heavy conversations sure. going on at that at that congregation right now right so understandably praying, so praying for that like yeah. it's yeah i'm sure that's a different kind of um heartache to try to sort out yeah. but again so much more real than masks so <laughs> very true did did you read my blog post about Ukraine and Vietnam. Oh my gosh, I don't have time to read a blog post. <laughs> I only have time to scroll Twitter. Well, I will say, if anybody <laughs> wants to go back and read my blog post from last I, week I'll, on libertycollingswood.org, I I solved the Russia problem. Okay, I'll go back and read the it. The gang solves the Russia I, problem. I don't, I don't read newsletters. I don't click things. I just, yeah. I understand. That's fine. <laughs> I do. I do want to though. <laughs> Okay, I, I can bank I, that. I hear where you're burdened this past week. Let's move <laughs> on to Sun Studios and how this sermon got made, even though it was meant to be the intro to part three. It got put to the finale of part two of the, the great cliffhanger. Yeah, the kitchen behind the kitchen. Um, And <laughs> I think you set this up already well in your sermon, but what did you find challenging about this sermon? Well, text. Let me tell you. I feel like you've already told us, and I do. I really need to hear all this of it was, again. <laughs> well, we you, we can recap for our audience. This was really two sermons in one. I don't know if so. So usually, when I do a two pointer, so three -point I was going sermon, to comment on that and muddying the, the waters where it says, "How were you constructing this sermon?" But no, you'd like to put it in Sun Studios. Go ahead. Yes, I will. Thank you. <laughs> the. Two sermons in one. Usually, if I give a two-point or three-point sermon, there there's some semblance of commonality and and narrative threads between the two sections. I just sort of raised the white flag and said it's going to be two sermonettes. One is going to be about doctrine of scripture arising from Genesis chapter six, and then 
another sermon about how how we own our own sin. Wait, I was going to give you, I mean, genuinely, I was going to give you more praise for being like having like a modern take with like like one scene one, then scene two, then uh-huh. scene one again. Like um, like how movies or, oh, or like yeah. novels are yeah. structured now where like there's a sudden jump and you don't understand why, but then all the pieces come together at the end. I for real thought you were doing that on purpose and now you're just telling Whoa. me that. Wait, no, no, no. no they're, these, these, these things are not mutually exclusive. I, I did my best to tie together two different sermons in a way but you're that, saying that the there seams wasn't didn't show. Intentionality. There was just there like, was a ton of intentionality. Structured it because you couldn't figure out how to choose with the text otherwise. Not what I'm saying. Okay. I, I did talk at the beginning of the sermon about the he said, she said. Hit, <laughs> hit rewind on this podcast. I, I feel like you just said that you gave up and decided to preach two sermonettes, two short stories that have no connection. But okay. I, or like some implied thematic construction because they're the same short story author. But hmm. Okay, go yes. ahead. Mystery. Let, let's chalk <laughs> it up. Let's chalk it up to, mi- to mystery. One of them was just what a crazy text Genesis chapter 6 is with, with multiple classic interpretive problems. Mm-hmm. And I'll just list them briefly again here. So it looks like God maybe changes his mind. And the Lord God regretted that he had made man on the earth and it breathed into his heart. What does that do with doctrine of God? Is God immutable? Does God change? Is he sovereign or not? Then the Nephilim were on the earth. Who are the Nephilim? I did make a throwaway comment at one point. These are small potatoes in the bigger scheme of things. Nobody's nobody's ever left the faith because they couldn't get to the bottom of, of Nephilim. I will say, and I hope it's okay that I do, within the Liberty Communion of Churches, we have plenty of war stories, some of which are sad, some of which are funny. Matt Loyalin, Liberty Harrisburg lead pastor, does have somebody in the early days of Liberty Harrisburg who who left over his interpretation of the Nephilim mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. way way back in the day. So I I spoke too soon. Sorry about that, Matt. And you can tell your own listeners where where you are with the Nephilim these days. But then also, and probably most strangely, the sons of God marrying the daughters of man and mm-hmm. what are what are all of those things what are all of those things about so just trying to figure out how we can be people that love the scriptures and found our lives upon the scriptures in ways that will occasionally put us in places of discomfort vis-a-vis larger currents and culture mm-hmm. but then also embracing the fact that we don't have absolutely everything figured out about the scriptures at the same time so the bible infallible inerrant all of those great classic theological words but that doesn't necessarily mean that i know everything there is to know about the nephilim so i was trying to strike a little bit of a balance mm-hmm. there I don't know if I succeeded, but right. but, I, but I use the, the image from my dad in structural engineering where you build yeah, a little, little flex. bit of flex, which just to clarify, doesn't mean that, you know, the Bible is only like mostly infallible or mostly inerrant. That's not what I was trying to say. And I don't think I did. But instead, the flex comes at it's OK to say that there's questions. Or yeah, say there's that questions. There's and, and I don't have bulletproof answers to, to everything. And they apply to like less esoteric issues too that there's just not always a 
a hundred percent clear answer to some yeah. issues. So yeah. it's a good thing to have. To, I think it's a great thing to acknowledge and just because otherwise you come and you, if you don't have an understanding that there are some levels of mystery, then you mm -hmm. can get really frustrated when there are mystery. There are pieces of mystery. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. So that that goes back to wanting to grow disciples of Jesus that are resilient mm -hmm. uh, moving into the years, decades, and and generations to come. And and I'm, since I have you on the line here, what what's your interpretation of sons of God between <laughs> between angels, rulers, uh, well, one of the, and the line of Seth? One of the cover tunes that you didn't reference because you probably don't know about it was <laughs> like Madeline Lingle, who like wrote A Wrinkle in the Ti oh, in yeah. Time. Yeah. She wrote some other series in which she fleshed out the concept of Nephilim and uh, she really? had this whole other world. Yeah. That part of the wrinkle of time. It was like the same characters. Wrinkle they, in time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they re-entered some other space. But uh, so I actually like deep dove into the Nephilim and stuff after reading those when I was in like high school. I but, had no idea. Yeah. You know. Wow. I don't believe what she, but I also, you know, that I, I think she also, there are people who like read and interpreted her works as more literal and like became like Southern Baptists were like banning her but other was books. She a, and I've never read those books. Was she a Christian author or like a combination uh, of Christian uh, and New Agey a little bit or yeah something? I don't remember. Okay. I'm not gonna. Sure. You know what? I don't want to be on the record for that. <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> definitely not hello was we're on board i loved a wrinkle in time though i actually love the other books too Tilda but angle yeah we don't want to be langled okay. right now can we we're we're already in muddying the water so let's just still be muddy right no you we're not what but, but then but, but then the other part for sermon number two from this past sunday even though they were very artfully woven together into a satisfying whole verse five a classic statement about the total depravity of human beings the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually so gave an opportunity to unpack a doctrine of scripture that's really hard but then also i believe true and therefore good for us to wrestle with mm -hmm. and so it was a a textus classicus for the doctrine of total depravity and original sin and talked about that why are you smiling <laughs> are we money in the waters yet <laughs> let's go there okay so if since this was so intentional the two ducks the juxtaposition of these mm. two stories narrative stories <laughs> whenever you're worried that you're not making sense just say it's a juxtaposition and then you're there boom um yeah what do you feel like the through line was was the question i was gonna or I guess the question I really was going to ask before you introduced it yourself was like the why, because I did think I honestly thought you approached it more intentionally with mm -hmm. like um, the idea of framing. Um, and the, yeah, so is the real the real reason why just because like as you were preparing the sermon, you just felt two separate sermons in the text and then they bubbled up in this way or so structurally it was a two-part sermon doctrine of scripture number one and then doctrine of sin number two uh -huh. in the introduction i cast the line forward to the second part of the sermon which which creates the illusion of of more more narrative 
flow and through line. But then the thought processes on those two sections were simply the rock and the hard place where there's enough going on that's a little bit weird and crazy in terms of scriptural interpretation mm -hmm. that it would seem dishonest of me not to name some of the elephant in the room about like, hey, what is mm -hmm. really going on here? You need to follow the advice of the commentator. Right. Gosh, <laughs> the commentator yeah. who said, what did he say? He was don't, like, I don't think this is a good idea to preach, to preach on. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> that was pretty shocking to, to see that in, in the commentary. So it, it seemed like a, like a good entree into talking about some Doctrine of Scripture stuff connecting with the sermon that I preached back in November because it would be on people's minds anyway, I figured. Mm -hmm. Like, what? why does yeah. this make sense? Or yeah. how is this here? Can I trust the Bible when yeah. all of this okay. weird stuff is is going on? Mm -hmm. But then also, I didn't only want to talk about those things in a sermon like this, because the point of the passage, properly speaking, whatever else it is, is to introduce the flood and say, how did things get this bad? So, so that Genesis 6, 1 to 8 is not about doctrine of Scripture. Mm -hmm. So I also didn't want to only talk about that stuff, sure. too, which, which brought me to... It brings the, us to sin. Yeah, yeah the, the combination. And with, uh, yeah, with the Doctrine of Scripture, one other thing with, with uh, the resiliency piece, I, I use the dichotomy of, hey, when we come to an interpretive problem in the Scriptures, if you want to be a resilient follower of Jesus, neither should we ignite nor ignore difficulties and so that the ignite idea is just well let's just light the bible on fire it doesn't make any sense it's this flawed book written by flawed people that are claiming things about god really that they have no idea about at the end of the day or just took some wordless religious experience and then put words stories theology mm -hmm. upon it uh, and there are plenty of ex-evangelicals and deconverting christians that would see some problem that have seen problems like this in scripture and said, I, I'm not going to follow Jesus. I can't trust the Bible anymore. Mm -hmm. Wanted to buffer against that, but then also going back to the flex idea, whether it's you engaging with different interpreters of scripture, engaging with friends and neighbors that are all over the place scripturally, if somebody brings to you a genuine question or problem that they have with either the Bible or with Christianity, mm -hmm. it, it's not a lack of faithfulness to Jesus to admit and acknowledge that, yeah, this, this is something that's, that, right. th that's yeah. a little difficult. So, so, so we don't need to do the la la over, la, la yeah, la la la, like box ourselves into these corners. And I understand that it's potentially a slippery slope where we don't just want to make accommodations and start to give away the farm by saying, hey, that's a really great point. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think there can be a give and take in dialogue there that doesn't detract from one's resilient discipleship, but actually enhances it. So, yeah, I wanted to, wanted to give some, some space to these things, in part because as we continue to go through the scriptures or wrestle with contemporary issues, can I really trust the Bible on this is a question yeah. that keeps coming up in the life of a believer. Right. I mean, if that's the, the question of muddying the waters is what context are you trying to reach, engage, like the context of doubting scripture yeah, and doubting sin, like those two things. But right. I think, uh, I think the sin part especially is more easy to self-examine because I, I do think it resonates like the self-esteem part when you were talking about if you tell everyone that everyone's awesome, everyone's awesome all the time, right. then the first time a kid 
is not awesome, they like want to hide it, hide it, or they feel shame, like yeah, because they really are going to mess up. Um, we are, we really are going to mess up. Um, yeah. So kind of being able to recognize, recognizing sin is just very, very obvious, and then like, and then grappling with scripture is another right piece that can be less obvious if you're not like um really devoting i don't know i well i don't know yeah you might need the holy spirit in that aspect but it's harder yeah we definitely need the spirit and last thing about the kind of the wave of deconversions and in in the u.s as, as i perceive some of the patterns of these deconversions the the underground process is that people that are in danger of deconverting actually do maybe more ignoring than they realize and instead of wrestling with things just kind of don't give it any oxygen or light and pretend that it's not there until one day the reservations or objections to christianity are just so big and overwhelming that on one hand it looks like a 180 turn when things flip immediately Oh, like I was doing all these Christian things, but then all of a sudden I don't believe any of it. But underground, there's been this declension that mm-hmm. hasn't been fully wrestled with. So mm-hmm. wanting to bring potential movements of underground declension to the surface a little bit hmm. more. And then, yeah, with the owning, or we, we can talk about sin a little bit more. I don't know if you have anything else with scripture as it relates to muddying the waters. Mm, nope. Okay. Helen Wolves, let us know if you have any <laughs> thoughts about Nephilim. That means Jim wanted more questions. Post on Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, with with the, the, the owning sin part, and I was going to have it, well, I'll say that for, for Guitar Slim Pickens, we can, there, there are some things that I cut out for the sake of, for the sake of time. We laugh about this with kids rec sports where when our kids would play soccer as kindergartners and first graders and there would be a ton of scoring but every game ended in a tie and our kids were like they're keeping score they know who wins and know who loses but so so when the coaches were saying oh uh, everybody won it was a tie like clearly the kids themselves are like no we won or no we lost and so I think just to wave a wand and say we're awesome all the time creates this cognitive dissonance because we know that there's junk in our lives, there's darkness in our hearts. We do things where we say, I can't believe I did that or that's not me, but that at the flip side, it, it was. And so, yeah, like the doctor's office, if there's bad news, we want to hear about it. And it's so much easier to describe to describe our own, our own experience. And I... I don't want to only ever give illustrations drawn from marriage or family because not everybody's married, not everybody's Mm -hmm. in a family, but I think a marriage is a good laboratory to see the rubber hitting the road where it's just really hard to own your own stuff. But Mm -hmm. if you don't, you're stuck. So you're like your marriage counseling um, example or like your big lead in. I I was kind of wondering where you were going with that, by the way, like the skill sets that you don't, uh, you don't have and you're just (laughs) decided to give up on. I was not going to guess marriage counseling, but um, yeah, there are other ones. (laughs) (laughs) There there are many weaknesses and deficient skill sets. Well, with, with the marriage counseling, I don't know if you remember at our previous church and we shouldn't say who, you and I spent 
yeah. two hours per week mm-hmm. for the better course of a year mm-hmm. with this with this one couple um where it was like every friday from like one to three we sat with this couple maybe for 50 50 sessions over over a year and a half mm-hmm. i just look back and i say probably a trained counselor could have done right. the same amount of work in 10 to 20 sessions so hope, right. ho- hopefully i didn't throw and hopefully i'm not a bad person to talk to no, I, um, I don't yeah but, i think you're but right toolbox it's a, wise it is a good thing to be able to yeah assign that to someone who's more right yeah um, more trained even like i don't even think i actually think you do have the skills of a counselor but not necessarily the tools <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> Okay, I'll agree with that. That's fine. Uh, so, so, so even my, my weaknesses are latent strengths. That's exactly what I'm going for. <laughs> I love podcasting. But what did you think I'm about culturally speaking? So if it's personally disastrous for us not to own our sin, whether persistent relational problems or being shattered when we do mess up, thinking about how culturally we can become either too squishy or too judgy. Right. If, if there's no God who's ultimately judge yeah the real judge i think that is um i think it is important to to have some kind of balance there and i think that does kind of describe some of the the direction of culture when we are growing farther apart because um because of these both these two these two aspects exist simultaneously for people yeah sometimes because you can be too judgy towards the person on the opposite the pers- other, the enemy. Um, right and then you could be too squishy towards yourself for your own your own vices or your own um areas of weakness just mm-hmm. like overlooking them or deciding that they're not really that bad right um so it is a healthy thing to have to think about those things and think about where they are in our own hearts yeah um I'm and on then, board. Yeah, and then honestly, Ukraine, bringing up Ukraine again, it does have a clarifying effect also of, of kind of thinking it is complicated to know who you trust. And like for someone who's Russian and only having media filtered or news filtered from yeah. the perspective of Russians, um, it, it, it feels really complicated to like keep on going level level up up level up level up level to like this bigger picture and it feels much more like easy to just allow things to be in god's hands but also to like still feel like there's a right and wrong in this yeah even if there's another perspective right yeah hopefully it's so so if the if the stereotype is well if you're a christian and you believe in sin that's going to make you a judgmental rage monster Mm -hmm. I think there's space to push back on that assumption or narrative a little bit and say, you know, sometimes Christians are judgmental rage monsters, but that's not an inherent flaw within the Christian story. They're actually not being Christian enough. And there are resources within the Christian story that allow us to name right and wrong, good and evil, but then also be freed from being those rage monsters, judge, jury, and executioner. So I I truly think it's a it's a better way. It is a third way. <laughs> I still think that needs some branding work. Yeah, that, third way. That that it's ship just, has it's sailed. It's just like so cultish. Mm. Want to be the third way? I, don't know, I, don't I mean, we don't want to be not cultish. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> Everyone buy the mug of Jim's face. There's, there's a sweet spot. Okay, groupies. Okay. Helen Wolves. I, <laughs> we move on to bar band cover tunes. Let's do it. Oh, my gosh. References. Um, I had my own references. What were yours? Let's see. You have Robert Stone. Robert Stone, saying, we carry Nemesis that's, inside yeah, it us. Yeah, he made it even to the to the front of the bulletin. Right, but but we are not excused. I I think I also put at the front of the bulletin. Did I put the meaning of this text as disputed and likely the effort taken in understanding I it will not remember. be matched by gains? I, the other text or, I was like, exposition. it was just words, so I didn't read it. That's fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I forget if I actually did, but I thought it would be funny to put as a reflection quote, at the beginning of a worship folder like, about the sermon passage, this passage. Uh, a commentator <laughs> saying that you know you should not preach on this passage. You are getting a little meta, like you're, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, that would have been great. Kid, I don't think I did, but I should have. Kids these that's days. On me. Um, yeah, we carry nemesis inside. That that's like scarily. Uh, it feels scary, scary but true. <laughs> yes, and that goes back to the ancient ancient Greeks, drama and tragedy, hubris, nemesis. Right. Um, I wrote bad Monty Python song. Oh, I thought that was great. Well, <laughs> I don't even remember it. <laughs> we so. are the sons of God. We are mighty, mighty kings. Yeah, I tried. I tried. I tried <laughs> fitting that. Instead, I I I did a couple of different things with that Monty Python reference. I was trying to figure out who the sons of God were from Genesis chapter six. At, at one point, I tried to fit it into the lumberjack song, but I figured that would be a bridge too far. But that's also a bridge unknown to you. So uh, we yeah, can I was keep gonna going. say. Ooh. Okay. Um. Yeah. Any, so we also had Robert er, Ro Reinhold Niebuhr, twentieth mm -hmm. century. He was the one in your. There opening, we. I think. Oh man, yeah, that was a more boring one than Walter <laughs> Brueggemann saying, it. "Don't, don't preach this. Don't preach on this text about which you've bought my commentary." The, yeah. So, so Niebuhr thinking through the myth of progress in the twentieth century, saying that if you lose the Christian story, then human progress is only a narrative of fulfillment, but that just sets us sets ourselves up for catastrophe in different ways. And I, th mm. and I think that is a, a continuing dangling question for different visions of human progress in, in the 21st century. Can, can medicine, can technology, can government deliver to us everything that we need, whether it's climate change or Putin? Uh, the, the answer is no, mm -hmm. and, and we need more help and we're able to perfect in ourselves so robert stone reinhold niebuhr two 20th century people also i have andrew sullivan and write, writing about ancients viewing the freedom as freedom from natural urges as a good thing right and not a yeah that was pretty fascinating mm -hmm. so on the i was intrigued to think about and just kind of throw it out there that this and we've talked about construction of human personhood at various sermons over the past year this idea that to truly be used to be free to say yes to all of your internal urges and desires as long as you're not hurting anybody the story goes then that's that that's the complete fulfilled person most of the people around the world throughout the ages would say that's a horrible idea mm -hmm. and and there's just this lack of understanding that that our our desires 
there is a creation horizon and a fall horizon. According to the creation horizon, we are people that desire, we are people that worship. Those are good things, but all of these desires and these worships are, are corrupted and flawed. And so coming in to a more whole version of ourselves means that we have to get a handle on, on these desires. And if we don't, we're just saying yes to eating popcorn and ice cream all day without uh, or worse or worse without without asking broader questions about or i'll put it this way as human beings if we only ask the question what does it mean to be free without also asking the question what does it mean to be good Mm -hmm. we are going to miss the mark on human personhood every time Hmm. and that was that was andrew sullivan talking about uh, the ancients would not approve of our uh, our view of freedom. Our, our view of freedom. There, there's also another thing. There's there's an Atlantic article quote about uh, from a from a secular writer saying that religion is actually good for society because it keeps us from being judged, jury, and executioners uh, from from other people. So we had those things. We had the Monty Python, uh, the Wimbledon re- reference. You know, that's a tennis tournament, right? Okay, so so I'm getting an eye roll. I, I enjoyed the Wimbledon reference at the beginning with the he said, she said, going back and forth, turning my head. The reference originally there, and, and then we can go to Guitar Slim Pickens and see what we got here. The original reference there was going to be Admiral James Stockdale and the vice presidential debate between Lloyd Benson, yeah, Dan Wimbledon Quayle, was better. and Ross Perot's vice presidential candidate when, when at certain points... Admiral Stockdale, who who probably was was too aged to he he's a huge war hero and like a really hoss of a man, Is but maybe past his prime at that point and was just clearly confused in the course oh, of the guy. of the debate and, and asked and I think he said at one point I feel like I'm at a tennis tournament so you can Google that why why is women's tennis the only sport that like in which women are like equally as viewed as men uh what do you mean (laughs) i mean like wnba versus nba oh golf running i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but you realize that wimbledon is for both men and women i know that's why i was saying okay anyway yeah good thoughts (laughs) that's what i'm saying like it's the same tournament it's not like the WNBA, like you don't follow them. They're oh, getting like I see. wages that are right, like right, right. subpar. Yeah. They're, they're like what you make. <laughs> I mean, <they're, laughs> Maybe not. There's, I don't know. <laughs> there, there, there's plenty of events at I the mean, Olympics that are co-ed that way. I know, but like Wimbledon or tennis, women's tennis is actually popular. I mean, among, I go, okay, okay, never yeah. mind. Okay. No, I'm interested. Tell, tell me more about women's <sighs> tennis. Any leftovers? Yes. So, guitar, slim pickings. Uh, the sermon was a little long. I, I need to make a couple of systemic tweaks to get my sermon length back like under control. Like not preaching two sermons. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be step, step number one. So, apologies to people if it, if it feels like I went a little long this past Sunday because I did. And then also, guitar, slim pickings. Um, I was going to, in the section about cultural disaster sometimes when we lose our sense of sin there is going to be a section in there about 
U.S. education policy in America going back oh to my John, John Dewey and his positivism or humanism in the early 20th century and, and how U.S. education was, was modified at that point based on uh, secular philosophy that yeah. came from, from Dewey. The, the red X was probably warranted there. <laughs> you studied all of that in college, so anyway, thought you'd appreciate it. That was for you, baby. Any Helen Wolves? Are there? Is there anyone listening? They're, anyone they're, out there? They're listening. So a couple of things I, I did get, and this came to my Jim at Liberty account, so I won't say who, but I was sent a paper that somebody did in college specifically about the sons of God and and, <laughs> and the daughters it's of a men. Common adolescent that, thing that that I really that, that I really appreciated. It was a really good paper, and. Uh, this person made the made the claim that the sons of God were actually angels. Oh, it got me thinking. Right, the number one. Yeah, the one that choice. to me created too many problems in relation to mythology. Okay. I, I oversimplified when I said nowhere else in the scriptures are the sons of God potentially used for that angels. That person gotcha. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so that was a good move. I, I did study that this past week. I was using. What happened was I was using English concordances. And so I think. The Eng modern English translations, translations want to be careful not to go in that direction. So go that, back that, to your, that was a mistake on my part. But, it, but, but then also it made me, made me, th there were a lot of earlier Christian interpreters that you believe that angel that, part that, that said they were angels. And so I had the thought in reading this person's paper, maybe it was me in a post enlightenment world where. You don't believe if, in angels as much, or people don't in general. Well, the mythologizing thing, may, maybe I was too worried about that. And hey, if the Bible says that it, it's angels and angels are real, and if they married human beings, that's a little bit weird, but we don't have to ignite the scriptures on this point. So, mm -hmm. so, so maybe it was a little too much modernism bleeding into my tolerances about what's, what's valid or not. So It's a mystery. I appreciated that, and then also got a text from Howlin' Wolf on Sunday afternoon. Thank you for your sermon today, Jim. I wish I heard it before a crisis of faith earlier on in my adult life, and I appreciated the analogy of structures paradoxically needing to flex to stay standing. Mm -hmm. But then also, one question about the sermon. Did you describe Andrew Su Sullivan as not being a believer, or hmm. did I mishear you? I've heard him call himself Catholic. So oh. I actually meant to go back and, to check. and double check. I didn't do that between Sunday afternoon and this Tuesday morning. Good but, call, but, dude. But, it, but it's very, I, I thought Andrew Jim Sullivan is not always right. I'm finally, I'm finally getting people on my not side. Not a person of faith, but, uh, but I'll take this Helen Wolf's word for it that, that he describes himself as a Catholic. So it's that not just sounds great to me. <laughs> it's not just our kids who are Finding <laughs> finding the holes in dad's speeches. Yes, the the gaps in the armor are coming to the fore. So yeah, those are the those are the Howlin' Wolves that we had. Feel free to write in everybody. Post Sunday Blues at gmail.com. We do love hearing from you. Um, it's good to interact with people to again just kind of be in your mental spaces. I know that Jim has some other things that he'd like to share. So this is a week where not only on the Liberty Church Collingswood podcast feed do you get a sermon do you get the post sunday blues preaching postmortem 
but you also receive on Friday morning five golden things. So tune into our inaugural episode this week. Me and Kelly, our Liberty Kids director, talking about five things that you lose when you become a parent. So we're excited to keep building out this podcast feed as we push back the darkness of digital Babylon. Have you listened to Ringer Food yet? <laughs> you know, I have a I've tried multiple points to listen to different food podcasts. They just make me hungry. <laughs> so I, I end up... What about the candy podcast? I your your up, candy interview with Pat. Did that make you hungry? Not based on Pat's candy. <laughs> That's next oh, Friday's spoiler. drop. <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Happy.